Love Talk Radio. Spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com When all foundations have been shaken When I'm left standing in the dark And all I feel is my heart breaking You're still raining, you're still God And when it feels all hope is
A Gospel Journey. Trouble sometimes are here, filling in hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is that stay. Humble your heart to God, saves from the casting rod. Seek the way, pilgrims try, Christians away.
I came right back. You see, she, but I thank God this morning that he's able to thank him for another Monday morning, a new week beginning. I missed it here last week. Oh, I missed it. But we opened a new store, a new Shopify store, and to get this store uh, up and running properly, it takes a huge, huge amount of work, and I'm still not through. But today is a new Monday, and I said, Lord, I got to get back because it's my job to talk of his wondrous works and make known his deeds among the people. It's my job to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I couldn't help myself. I said, yep, you got to go get that done. And so we thank God that I was able to get in this morning, and um, I was able to come back, come back, you know, after we now. But listen, I haven't heard from uh, Louis uh, in about a week. And that's not like him. I, I emailed him. I got nothing. And usually when I email him, he emails me right back, right back. So I haven't gotten an email from him. And I was emailing him when everything went out because I was telling him if I don't hear from uh, them today, I will be down there looking. I know where it is. Uh, I will be down there to see what's going on. Yeah. And uh, it will be all right today in Jesus' name. But I got to go check on him, y'all. I got to go check. So uh, today after the show, I think I just rolled on down there, take a slow stroll, and roll on to Ocala and see what's going on. It's not very far. I go through Gainesville and then bam, right there, Ocala. And so the way I go, I uh, go up the street. I think it's 301, and uh, I keep straight out, and they run me straight into Ocala. And I can remember once I get down there where he lived, not far, I think it's the Burger King. It's not far from the Burger King. So I'll be going down in there hopefully today. If I don't hear from him, because I need to know that he and Sherry, they are good over there. And I should have gotten the son number and all of that. But I, I have a number for him, and I'm going to call that number. If I still don't get an answer, then I got to go, y'all. And I check Lou and Sherry. God bless each and every one of you this morning for tuning in. And uh, I thank God for all he has done over the weekend, well, over the last week. And put me in touch. I had some trials. You know, your trials come to make you strong. And anywhere God's people are, the enemy is coming to circle down. But nonetheless, God fixed it all. He worked it all out for my good. And I'm thankful unto him this day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And like I said, got quite a bit more to go with the store. But it's open. You can go and shop. You can go and shop over there, and we had some new work style coats and boots on yesterday, and some kitchen uh, equipment over there, so take a look, and each week we'll be adding new stuff, because I have to pay this guy uh, to add it for me, and I do the administrative part, the taxes, the this, the that, yeah, so it's a lot of work in putting this together, but I thank God he sent the right people who can help me my way, I'm grateful, grateful unto him this morning and uh, come back with one more song of the morning 
and I heard them Oak Ridge boys. I'm sorry, y'all. I love listening to them, too. Jesus is coming soon, whether it be morning, night, or noon. We just need to be prepared for his return. Hallelujah. He's not a lying God. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. Yeah, and he will, uh, his word will hold true until the end of time, throughout eternity. Hallelujah. And so we can trust him today, and I'm just thankful. So listen, let's have morning prayer. I have a testimony or two for you today, um, because it's good to hear other people testimony, how God bring them out and what he does in many different people's lives, because we're not all going through the same trials. We're going through different trials, and then some of us, we go through kind of the same trials, or some of the same trials, yet God bring us out. But this is what I've learned over the years, and it's a good thing. Psalms 27 and 14 says this, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Anybody ever heard that before? Wait on him. He's coming. Matter of fact, he's already there, but the timing is important with Almighty God who have all power. A lot of times we're trying to move it and make it happen before time. If it happens before time, it won't work together for your good. So what we need to do is allow the time to work things out so that all of it will work together for our good. Hallelujah. We won't have to go through this thing no more. Thank you, Jesus. Our God has added something to us to make us better. And so we're grateful unto him. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank God for the trials and tribulations that only come to make us strong. And I know it don't always feel good going to a trial. Oof. But if we could pray our way through, fast our way through, uh, hold on, study the word, get whatever it takes, let's do it. Let's wait on God together. Hallelujah. And it's already all right this morning, October the 30th, 2023, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We have a few more days, maybe about, ooh. Less than two months, and we'll be right into the Christmas holiday. I'm excited about that thing. I'm ready. I'm ready for the decorations, all the beautiful lights. I am ready to be excited because he was born. Ooh, the son of God. He so loved the world. He sent his only begotten son that whoever believe on him won't perish but have everlasting life. So I'm ready to celebrate. We set December the 25th aside as a day that we take to celebrate the birth of Christ. And if we know anything about his birth, we know they came giving gifts. And that's what we do. We give gifts. Gifts we didn't give all year long. We give them this time of year. Yeah. And so we're so grateful. Good morning, Brother Terry. God bless you this morning. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, so we're thankful for the holidays. I love Thanksgiving. It's a time to be thankful for what God has done for you all year. It's a time to come together with family and friends and celebrate each other and have a good meal together. And uh, many times we go to people's house, we can smell the food when we hit the front door. 
Soon as we hit the door, we smell groceries. <laughs> Y'all know I love this. Yeah, so this year I'll be down to my niece in Savannah uh, for Thanksgiving. I'm not cooking here. Now, Christmas, I will cook. I will cook for Christmas. But Thanksgiving this year, I'm not doing it. Last year, I was sick Christmas Day. Oh, yes, I was home alone, sick. My niece came down the street and uh, brought me some stuff and I jumped back in my truck and came on home because I, I wouldn't let her come to the house because I was sick. And I said, no, nah, I'm not going to let her come out here and kick this cold. And, and this is what the doctor said. You simply have a terrible cold, a bad cold, ma'am. It's not bronchitis. It's not COVID. It's not pneumonia. It, it's not even the flu. You just have a terrible cold. I'm like, what? He was like, do this and do this and take this and take that. Get plenty of rest. Eat, ma'am, and you will be all right. It took me, I know, about two weeks or so to get right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I called it from. But Christmas Day, I could not do nothing for nobody. My niece, well, my niece did come a few days early and got all the family gifts, and she was Santa Claus Day, as they called it. She gave all the gifts out for me because I couldn't. Even my son, I couldn't give him his gift. My youngest son, uh, she had to do that. And then her son took it over on his job, the one that worked at the jail, get over there to the jail for him because his mama couldn't do nothing. She was sick. Now, don't come over here. I'm coming. No, don't come. Don't come. You don't want this I got. Don't come in here. And so afterwards, I had to go through stuff and spray it. Lysol it down with the liquid Lysol, you know, and all of that. But this year, I believe God is going to allow me to cook and allow me to celebrate uh, with no sickness. And so I'm thankful unto him. Hallelujah. Let's pray this morning the prayer of faith. It's that prayer of faith that makes us whole. So let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we come before you this morning thanking you. We thank you for waking us up. Thank you for being closed in our right minds. Father, we thank you for the use and activities of our limbs. We thank you for life, health, and strength. Father, we may not have all that we desire, but what you've given unto us and what you have allowed, we're grateful. We thank you. We appreciate you. And Father, we love you this morning. We bow down before you in humbleness to reverence you. You're the great God, Jehovah that have all power. There's no higher power. And Father, when we think on these things, it just excite us because all power is on our side. Your word said, if you be for us, you're more than the whole world against us. And we thank you this morning. Father, I come this morning asking that you would forgive us all for all our sins and wrongdoings, our wrong thoughts, our wrong speakings, our wrong feelings, God. And though our sins be as scarlet, we ask this morning that you would wash us as white as snow. Cleanse us today from all unrighteousness and give us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us this day. October the 30th, 2023, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. And Father, we come this morning asking that you would bless every caller and every listener. 
We're touching and agreeing, God. Bless us this week with uncommon blessings, uncommon miracles. Father, bless us this week that you, the blessings overtake us, that we're talking of your wondrous works, and we are making known your deeds among the people. We're telling it everywhere we go, the goodness of you and how good you have been to us. Father, someone will hear. Someone will hear of your goodness. It will fall on a good ear. And, Father, they will come to you. You will draw them from our testimonies. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory this morning. We give you honor and praise. Father, there's none like you. We bring the sick before you this morning and ask God that you would touch and heal. Father, we know you heal all manner of sickness and disease. You took a beating for the healing of the nation. There's nothing too hard for you to do. Heal this morning. Father, heal Sharon, heal Louis, wherever they may be today, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And, Father, we come asking that your will would be done here today. Lord, you sent your word, and your word heals. Do it for us. They send your word that heals. We're looking to you for everything because without you, we can do nothing. Father, men are looking to you for their children, their grandchildren, God. They're just looking to you to bless and keep their families, to work things out, whatever needs to be worked out. Lord, some need help. Some need a place to live. Father, some need a car to drive. Some need a job, God, to have finances. Whatever the need is today, we ask that you meet it here. Send your word that heal everything. Send your word today that fix every believer here in the name of Jesus, spiritually, mentally, and physically. Do it today for your people, oh God, in the name of Jesus. We ask this morning that God, you would, Bless those incarcerated, those that are in every branch of the military. Father, widows and bereaved families and intercessory prayer people everywhere praying in the name of Jesus. Preachers everywhere preaching in the name of Jesus in obedience unto you and love for your people. Bless Israel and prosper Jerusalem today. Bless all our brothers and sisters overseas everywhere. Lord, it's reaching out to you, for we know no other. Continue to bless America and the leadership of America. Have mercy today, O oh God, on us. But, Father, many don't know any better. But, God, those of us that know better and we're going astray, have mercy and draw us back unto you. Father, draw us back unto a repentant state. That, God, we repent, godly sorry, repent unto you. And that God will come out because in your vineyard. That you can use us in your service to draw others unto you. For the harvest again this morning is plentiful, but the labor of few. And we are asking you, the Lord of the harvest, to send more labors. But Father, remember the labor that you call or chose us for. Because everybody you save, you called them to something. Many are called, but few are chosen. And God stir up the gifts in your chosen people. That we can talk of your wondrous works and make known your deeds everywhere we go in the name of Jesus. Strengthen us today. Lucia, protecting angels, God, to stand watch, to shield and protect us. Keep us from all hurt, harm, 
our danger. Father, we speak this in the atmosphere wherever we go. No calamity shall come nigh our dwelling in the name of Jesus. Bless this segment of Jesus in the morning. Again, this morning we ask, Lord, we know your ears are not deaf and your arms are not too short to reach down. You heard us the first time. But, Lord, we just want you today mm, to send a word that heals all of us in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. We can't thank you enough. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, His Majesty. You know, I um, was listening to Nikki. She was looking at the news. And what she was seeing on the news, she started talking to me about it. So she telling me about some man um, killing all these people. I'm like, what? She said, he just randomly shooting, clowning and carrying on, killing people. So I said, okay. And then I got to see it, you know, come across the screen on the internet. And I'm like, my goodness. So they were telling me he was over in Maine. And he was killing out, just shooting and killing people. And then he killed himself. They found him, I think, somewhere in some water or something. But I mention that because of this. If we, the people of God, would keep our mind on God, we are better off. I'm here to tell you this morning. Oh, we, we can have our mind on any and everything we want to, you know, the car you want. And, and, and sometimes it's it, it's look like a race car, you know, uh, uh, what they call them, sports car. Uh, we can keep our mind on that Mercedes, you know, the big Benz. We can put on the BMW. Uh, we can just dream of the house on the hill with the dog named Fluffy. Uh, we can dream of millions in the bank. I can buy anything I want. I can go anywhere I want. I can do anything I want. But I tell you what, none of that won't keep you safe. <laughs> Our dreams and visions like that won't keep us safe. But if we'll keep our mind on him, it's him that will keep us in perfect peace. But we can't make it no, not any day, not one day, no day, any day without him. We got to have it. And if we got him, he would keep us safe from all hurt, harm, or danger. Again, no calamity will come down your dwelling. They might be killing people uh, on the next building over from your job, but it won't be your building. Uh, they may be killing people two streets over from where you live, but it won't happen on your street, and especially at your house. I wanted to share that this morning because so much is going on. And sometimes it'll bring fear to you. Fear will rip you. But again, no calamity shall come now your dwelling. You covet. The name of God is a place where the righteous can run in and be saved. We, we don't have anything to fear. We don't have anything to worry about. We call on the name of Jesus at the drop of a pen. It's quicker than that. It's quicker than a blank of the eye. 
He's already there, and he has already taken care of it. I can remember being in a place called Winter Haven. No, Altamont. I'm sorry. Altamont, Florida. And I lived down there and uh, stayed in the house with another evangelist. He, he needed some help, and another friend of mine asked me to move in so I could be a blessing. But the devil was trying to trick me. I want you to hear me this morning. The devil was trying to trick me. And he was trying to trick me in a way where my good name would be tarnished. The good name would be messed up. And that I would support wrongdoing. I want y'all to hear me. So what happened is this. That devil had me by the feet and was pulling. I'm in the bed sleep. I woke up to being pulled down. Listen to this. At first I said, Mama. And then I said to myself, Mama. I said, Jesus. And it turned me loose just like that. A couple of days later, he showed me what was going on. And he showed me why I was asked to come over to stay. Because I was going to be the cover-up. See, people was going to say, oh, she, she over there. She visiting the evangelists over there. That's no ma'am and no sir. That was not true. Uh-uh. But God shield and protect me. I know y'all heard the song that said, He held me close and he wouldn't let go. Jesus, he held me close. Yeah. He blessed me that I'll fake that. Because the enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he had planned for me over there to destroy my good name and my and the good works of God that I had done and would do. Yeah, he don't care nothing about your uh your good works and all of that. He wanted to be gone so nobody can believe that God is. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Yeah, that, that's how he rolled, and that's how he want us to roll. But how many know great is he that lives within us than he that is in the world? No calamity again this morning, I say, shall come now, my dwelling. We are more than conquerors through Jesus that loves us. And there's nothing that the enemy can do with us. Yeah. Our Father have all power. He's on our side in spite of us. He's even beyond our fault and yet meeting our needs. But what he wants us to do is do the right thing by him and his people, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. We we don't want to grumble and complain against them. We don't want to talk about them. We want to pray for them. You spend error, pray for them. Because that's what's needed. And a lot of people, oh, now nah, I don't want to be in the church because I see how them church people act. Oh, I, I, I see what church people do. No, that's, that, that's not the way, uh, uh, as Nikki said, little baby, <laughs> that's not the way to even think about it. God is. Not man is, but God is. And we got to know that our Redeemer lives. 
And we got to know that he's not like everybody else. And simply because man is cutting up, it have nothing to do with God. Yeah, it have simply nothing to do with him. This is just the way of man. It's not the way of God. But people look at other people. They said they was the preacher. They said they was the pastor. Look what they done did. Well, that's man. That's not God. And this is why it's important for us to pray. It's important for us to get to know God for ourselves. It's important for us to know his word. This way we're going to know what was coming. This way we're going to know what will befall, what's happening, what's going on. This way we'll know all of that. But if we don't get to know God for ourselves, stuff around here. Yeah. If we don't know God ourselves, we won't know what to do. Yeah, we, we're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking in the wrong places. Anybody ever heard the song that says, uh, looking for love in all the wrong places? Yeah, this will be taking place with us. But God have a mighty sweet way to draw us where he needs us if we're willing to follow. And he knows the very intent of each of our hearts today. And he know whether or not we want to be his and whether we want to really be kept by him. Now, you're going to make some mistakes. Yeah, you're going to have some shortcomings, some falling aways. All these kind of things may happen. But you will always run back to your Lord and Savior. We always repent and come back. And God knows, again, the very intent of your heart. He knows your heart is not evil. You're not, your heart is not intentionally intentionally doing things. He knows you're not waking up this morning and saying, well, today, you know, I think I'm going to steal me some things out of Macy's because I can't afford to pay for them. And tomorrow I'll go to Walmart and steal. That's not what we're waking up with. Oh, yeah, they done talked about me on the job today when I go. I'm going to poison everybody on the job. Not us. That's not our thought pattern. That's not the way we think. We wake up telling God, thank you. We wake up telling him, thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you for my life, my health, and strength. And then we may repent or we may start praying for something else. But we don't plot and plan evil. That's not us, the believer. The saints of God, the people of God, the children of God. That that's not what we we're about. So he knows the very intent of your heart. And all of this too is why he is the one that when we stand before him to be judged, he can judge us blameless. Why? He knows really what's in your heart. He knows your heart is truly for him. He know that if he says it, you're going to do it. If you know that this is God telling you to do something, he know you would do it. Yeah. Man is a pitiful creature because we don't know everything. And sometimes we forget to go to the one who does. Who know it all, who have all power, who's able to turn it around, change it, switch it, kill it. And that's Jehovah, Almighty God, who have all power. The same God that said he so loved the world, and he does. 
that he sent his only begotten son. And he still loves the world. He is still loving the world today. That's why we see he's yet allowing others to come to him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He's yet drawing us that we lift him up. Somebody going to be drawn unto him. And the only way they can come is if he, he draw them again this morning. If he had not drawn us, we could not be here. We never would have come to him because he didn't draw us. And see, that heart has to be in a place to receive. Man's heart has to be a, a, the, the right place to receive God when he's wrong. I've seen people on the street hit the sidewalk. Wasn't nobody standing around singing gospel songs. Yeah, the word had gone forth, but it's ministering time now. It's witnessing time. It's time to tell of the goodness of God and they hit ground. Isn't that amazing? God is drawing them. I've seen the drunk man. Drunk. God drew him. And when he left there, he was just as sober as I am. I watched him walk up. And I saw him coming. I mean, he was leaning with it, rocking with it. Leaning with it. He could stand up straight. But when he left there, he could walk just as straight back. That's when God doesn't come. And anybody ever met God, you cannot stay the same. Uh uh-uh. You truly met Jesus, you will never be the same again. When I met him, I could not be that same old ugly Barbara. That same old I do what I want to do because I want to do it and how I, nope, nope, all that went away. We're just talking of his goodness this morning. Yeah. There's a song that says, stop listening, stop looking, listen. There's a great change in my life. Stop looking, listen. There's a great change in my life. The things that I used to do, I don't do no more. Stop looking, listen. There's a great change in my life. Places I used to go, I don't go no more. Things I used to say, I don't say no more. Now, I'm just coming every day down to earth person, a coming every day down to person. And all the deep holiness, you won't find it now. You, you, you won't find all that deep, and I'm so holy till I'm no early good. And you won't find that over here. Now, you will find me telling you the truth, and you'll find that I do love the Lord with my whole heart. I'm not joking. And the scripture says, if any man be Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away, and behold, all things become new. But I don't just walk around in the house all day, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Can't talk to Shante because it's Jesus. Can't talk to nobody because it's Jesus. But just like there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. There's the Spirit of God and there's Barbara. The Spirit of God and Barbara. I can laugh and talk. We having a wonderful time. And the Spirit of the Lord is speaking me in our heart. I can be in the midst of a laugh. I'll stop. And I heard what he said. 
Uh-huh. And if he says, say it, then there. I, I, I say it in my mouth. In the midst of the laughing, having a good time. Nothing evil, nothing bad is happening. That morning before they woke up, they had a dream. And then when they woke up, this came to their mind. And what came out of my mouth is, is what had happened. <laughs> oh, he's an amazing God. Do you hear me? He's an amazing God. Magnificent. Ooh, awesome. Yeah. And he's for us this morning. He's for us. Let me tell you, after I come to him, the world didn't quite look the same. I, I don't know if anybody else can testify to this, but it didn't quite look the same. In the way I used to think, I didn't quite think like that no more, you know, because it was, it was nothing doomed. That's all it was. It, it, just get rid of them. Throw them away. They're no good. You can't do nothing for them. You got to put them down like a dog with rabies. Sad, pitiful. That's the way I saw it. Money was the, the, the number one thing in life before I come to God. That was God. You know, Ben Franklin, George Washington, all them boys like that. They, they, they was what was happening. The $100 bill, the $50 bill, the $20, the $10, the $5, even the one. That's what was important. And if you didn't have that, you wasn't going to make it. But how many know if we don't have God, we won't make it, huh? That's who we got to have. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's our Lord and Savior. What go on, where to go on, and how it go on. He allow things. He don't, he don't just do things. He allow it. Yeah. So look, he brought me out. Brought me out of darkness into this marvelous light. And the reason I can call it marvelous light, because his words show me which way to go and which not which way not to go. If I focus, if I focus, I'm headed in the right path for his name's sake. See, because his name on it. Your end is going to be good. Your destination is excellent because his name is on it. Hallelujah. So he lead and guide me in the right path for his name's sake. But I got to have a mind to follow. And so when I follow his lead, I'm focused. Oh, boy, I'm going somewhere. Sometimes I end up at the grocery store at the Walmart. He may have a church service go on in the Walmart. I might be in Macy's, and he have a church service going on in Macy's. Do you hear me? Wherever the need is at, and you are the one he chose to go handle this. You're the one he chose or called to handle this right here because this person got the kind of heart that you know how to work. You, you know how to talk to them and lead them, and, and they come right on God. Because they need a little help. Light shined in darkness and all of a sudden darkness comprehended. The light was there and darkness wanted to come out of being dark and come into the light. That's what he did for me. <laughs> he brought me out of darkness 
Yeah, I'm in a dark place. I can see clearly now the dark is gone. I know for myself truly I've been redeemed. He redeemed me back to him. I know for a surety this morning my Redeemer lives. I know that down through the years in praying and, and fasting and talking to him and uh, being taught by him, I am truly the candle that sit on the hill that can't be here. I know this today. I know that when I walk in a room, if this is will, he allow me to light the room up. I'm not even on the guest list to speak, but I have the floor. <laughs> Magnificent God. Ooh, excellent. No blemishes, no spots, no wrinkles in him. He's holy. He's pure. He's clean. He's honest. Mm, what a mighty God. Hey, the scripture say, oh, taste. Hey, this morning, oh, God. Taste and see. Mm. That the Lord is good. You got to taste for yourself. See, I had to taste for me. My parents taught me about him. I saw my aunt go to church. I saw on my dad's side, they went to church. On both sides, you know, of the family. They was family members going to church. You ever die and then you could hear them talk about the goodness of the Lord. But until I taste for myself, I really didn't know. What they taught me about him, uh, it, it, it was nowhere near in my book what he really is. <laughs> See, they, 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 they tried to explain it to me in a way without just, just losing their mind and the goodness of it. But I had to find out for myself. And when I found him for myself, he drew me to him. I got to taste and see how good he really is. Today, I can say God is good. Not because they taught me this in Sunday school or I heard the church people saying it, but from experience. I know he brought me out of the dark places. I know he brought me out of the marijuana smoking. The crown roar, Budweiser drinking, huh? The laying up with me and I wasn't married to. I knew it was him that brought me out. I, I knew it was him that delivered me from the spirit of lust. Not only just lust for me, but lust for money. <laughs> lust for other things, yeah. Many times people think when you speak of lust, you're talking about sexual things. No, these some other appetites in there, money. Greediness. Yeah. So he delivered me and set me free. The scripture said, whom the son set free is free indeed. Once he drew me, I didn't feel the same. And once I came to him, I didn't I didn't walk the same. I didn't do the same thing. I didn't act the same way. I was totally different. Huh? He took the woman and changed her into who she needed to be. And he began to grow me, began to grow me daily. I, I, I studied daily. I prayed daily. 
during this time I didn't have a job, y'all know I just come out from the dope sellers. <laughs> and he delivered me. So I didn't have a job. I went and got me one. And look what he did. For, listen, I'm trying to tell you this morning. I want I, to talk as wonders works and make known as deeds today because I'm telling you the kind of God he is. I got a job. Here we have Bell South. Alabama, they had South Central Bell. It was still my Bell products. And he gave me a job. I went to apply for to be a manager's assistant, assistant manager. When I got there, the person who agreed to be the manager didn't show up. He said, well, you don't want to apply for assistant manager. You're going to have to become the manager. Y'all, did y'all hear what I said? Huh? I applied for assistant manager. I wanted the manager job, but I didn't feel like I was qualified. Excuse me. I didn't think that I was, you know, qualified for management. <laughs> but the person I said who applied for the management position and they was giving it to them never showed up. So he just walked right there and said, come on. He called my name. Barbara Mack, come on. I was Mack during the time of the Pittman. I had left Pittman, went to Mack. Now I'm going back to Pittman. That's the late name. But look, he blessed me on the job. Blessed me on the job. I, I didn't understand. I didn't. Ooh, we, but he wasn't going to leave me there. I had bigger fish to fry in other places. Not just Alabama, Indiana, Missouri, Alaska, Georgia, Texas. Huh? I had other places I needed to go. Yeah, eventually Hawaii <laughs> and some other places. Italy. Uh-huh. He got work for me to do. He don't just send me a trip. Wherever the labor is for me, that's where he send me. And I don't go to be entertained or too entertained. I go to work. Because of the obedience, he'll bless me. Yeah. He'll bless me that somebody uh, come and bless me with a meal. Uh, somebody might give me a, some flour or whatever. I've been in places and they came and they said, this is just a love offering. It's not very much, but, you know, this is all we had, so we wanted to show our love to you with this. Now, that wasn't expected, and that wasn't necessary. But I found out years ago, don't cut people blessing off. Because him sending me, he already took care of everything. The place to live, the food to eat, the clothes to wear, even the message to give. Everything is covered. Ooh, I said a magnificent God. Excellent. Awesome. Almighty. Yeah, this is the God that I'm talking about. Jehovah that said, let there be light, light appeared. Jehovah that so loved us, he sent his only begotten son that if we believe on that son, we won't perish, 
but have everlasting life. The God that teach us the right way to go. He said, if any man like wisdom, James, look over in James chapter one, if I'm not mistaken, down around the fifth verse. If any man like wisdom, let him ask of God that gives liberally, freely, and upbraideth not. That's the word. That's not Barbara's word. That's the word of God. So we are thankful unto him this morning that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him again today. I want to remind us of that as often as possible. He is. Who is he? Almighty God that have all power. He is a rewarder of them that diligently, faithfully, constantly, consistently seeking him. You can ask him about anything. If you have patience to wait, he'll bring the answer. Sometimes he'll bring it instantly. Sometimes he'll send it through somebody else's mouth. He can send it through the radio. He can send it through the TV. But when he's sending the answer, if you're paying attention, you'll know that's God. Because you'll be like, I did not ask the news people nothing. But yet they, they brought the answer. God have a mighty way. Sometimes it'll come through your pastor's mouth if you go to church. Yeah. I was reading a letter and I meant to keep it out yesterday to read it. Oh, this has been so many years ago. And this person wrote me a letter and told me they were going through. They were in Georgia. I was coming out of Alaska. They said they were going through and they had prayed and asked the Lord to send them somebody who would explain things to them. Because really, I know they were scared to hear the voice of the Lord and they wouldn't have understood it. You know what I'm saying? Through a friend of theirs, an associate rather, I popped up. I came to see my friend and my friend said, oh, I want to take you over here to meet uh, this lady I met, my friend. I said, okay, we went over. And when I got there, I began to minister right away, right away, instantly. God began to move. Because her situation to her was urgent. And she prayed, believing God. And God sent me, and right away, he began to move in her situation. To tell her what to expect. Da 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 da. And she was like, oh my goodness. So she wrote me a letter before I left town to express to me what God did by sending me with the answer to her prayers in my mouth. Do y'all hear me? I have letters. I, I, I need to put them out and read some. Where these people wrote me and told me different ones, I've never met nobody like you. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Not me. And not me giving me kudos. And not me putting me up on the pedestal. And not me patting me on the back. But I'm telling you about the goodness of God today. If you sell out to him what God can do for you. And more. I have a cousin, her name's Charette. 
and Charette mother, Marilyn, is my cousin. <laughs> so we like second cousins, Charette and I. And she had never met me and I had never met her. And when I did meet her, she was an adult. They lived in Georgia. At the time, the mom was in Atlanta. They come from a place called Doron, D-O-E-R-U-N, Georgia. Between, I want to say it's between Albany and Moultrie is what I want to say. And so look at this. When Charette met me, oh, we had a good time. We had a good time because I believe in laughing. That's my thing right there, some good laughs. And so, but I witnessed to her and I ministered to her. And she had a situation, you know, you, 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 sometimes you have to let people bend. That's what they call it. You let them talk because they need to say some things and they need another human being that they trust to hear it. Now, this just met. And she began to bend. And as she's talking, the Lord's showing me. <laughs> and when I told her what the Lord said, she said, you know, be, she called me be for Barbara now. She said, you know, be, uh, yeah, that's right, right there, be. I, I, I can believe that right there, be. Yeah, that's good right there. Yeah, because the Lord was speaking. It wasn't Barbara. I know she saw me and heard my voice, but I wasn't no good. I wasn't nothing but a vessel. All I was good for is to cheer her up with laughter. He was the one that spoke into her life. He was the one who could change her life around, and he did. He was the one who could make her days much better than they ever did. The laughter couldn't do all of that, but he could. And I began to share, you know, have a prayer life and a Bible study life and, and begin to do a little work for him here. See, because I had no clue the work would be of this magnitude and the work would be so great and the work would be so wonderful. And when I look back on it, I could tell him, I thank you for using me. Hey, glory. I had no clue to this. I'm running. Running like a fool. Because that's what I was. Running from the goodness of God. I had to be a fool. And when I accepted, I stopped. Hey, he finally stopped me and I accepted. I found out there's nothing better than being a blessing to other people. There's nothing greater. Because he loved his people. Now, his people may not love him, but he loves his people. And he loved the world, and he wished that none should perish. He used me to go to Alabama to bless one woman and her baby. From Florida all the way to Montgomery, Alabama. Bypass my destination of Birmingham. And then the, the transportation he sent, once I obeyed him in Montgomery, it didn't stop till it got me to Birmingham. Y'all don't understand. I was crocheting booties and footies all the way. And when I got to Montgomery, the little girl was running around bare feet. Huh? <laughs> I had the answer. <laughs> I had to answer, hey, glory. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mm. I had to answer to the mother's prayer in my mouth. 
and I had the shoes to go on the baby's feet in my hand. Oh, somebody understand what I'm talking about. God is faithful to us. He so loved us. Now, if he loved th- that baby and that mama so much to send me all the way from Florida, all the way to Montgomery, Alabama on the Greyhound bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we need to taste and see today that the Lord is good. We need to testify of his wondrous works and be known as deeds among the people. Talk about him every chance we get. And we don't need it to be a form of godliness and we deny the power thereof of him. We need to let it be real and keep in our mind that he is real. He's real and he's for us. He loves us all. There's nothing God will not do for us today. Nothing. Now, we have a problem in a time when he don't do it as quick as we want him to. or He's doing it in a different way that we want him to do it. But nonetheless, he gets it done. That's all that matters. And he gets it done in a way where it won't add no sorrow. You won't never have to suffer over this thing ever again. Mm-hmm. That's the way he, he is. I gave, I had a fourth Sunday fellowship. And when I used to have them, the houses was packed out. The house was packed out. Wherever I went, they had been packed out. And I told this pastor, and uh, the Lord told me he needed some money. Well, my business partners and I, we had $1,000 to give. So, I split it up between the pastor and the church. I gave my pastor five and gave the, the speaker, speak, speaker of the hour, gave him 500. Well, it was almost time ended, and as I got up, the Lord told me to tell him because I gave, I would never be broke again. But as I'm saying this, the speaking pastor was repeating it. I mean, was saying it with me, word for word. I wish he could have been there and saw it. The church was in a, they was amazed. I, I really didn't know this man, and he really didn't know me. But I know he had come against me at some point because I was a woman. I know that. And the Lord used me to bless him to show him something. No respecter of persons. That's the Lord. And when we are up, preachers, ministers, evangelists, bishops, apostles, pastors, ministers, whatever you say you are, deacons, but especially preachers. When we get up, we shouldn't get up in our flesh so that the people can look at us. We should get up in God, get up in the spirit of God, because then it's no longer you, but God that's moving. People stop being in awe and being amazed when these preachers tell the truth. It is not I, it is him that uses me. Please don't look to me. I am simply a vessel that God can use. And once he gets through using me, I'm just you. 
I'm just like you. I have to eat. I have to sleep. I have to bathe or shower. I have to have an income. I have to have a roof over my head, clothes on. Huh? It's simply that God chose to use me. This happened before I met my mother's womb. I didn't know about this thing. I didn't know all of this. I'm just testifying now. I found out about it years and years later. <laughs> I thought I was a weirdo. I'm just telling you this strange, some kind of weirdo, seeing all of this and then it happened. What is this? I can't tell nobody about this right here. They'll think I'm crazy. Because at times I thought I was crazy. Yeah, what is that? Uh, what that is? Uh-huh. And then it comes right on the past. Yeah. So my best friend killed himself. Saw him do it. And that same day, his sister sent me the message that he killed himself that morning. And I was like, what is this? And women used to love to talk to me, and I would be telling them things, and I could see it. Now, I hadn't really come to Jesus. I, you know, I heard about him, but I didn't know him. Yeah. See, you know, I heard about Carlton Pearson, but I don't really know him like that. But I heard about him. And I can tell you some things about him from what I heard. He's a great praise and worship leader. Always had real nice and neat hair. <laughs> you see, if I really, really get to know Carlton, it would be a difference. So I didn't know God. I knew of him. I had heard all these things about him. But then once I got to know him, now I can tell you from experience, because I know him today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Listen, we're going on to the first testimony of the morning. I done got excited right there. Amen goes right there. Up here, I done got excited. Thank you so much, Sugarfoot. Y'all know that Shante going to serve me if I don't want her to. <laughs> she going to bring me something. I thank God for her. All right, now, I got the fighter. I got excited. I tell you what, let's go to this, and then uh, I'll find the first testimony of the morning. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench. This thirsting in my soul, bread from heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. Yes, Lord. Fill it up and make.
old are you? 34. Tell me about your childhood starting when you were a baby. I was born in a small town of Indiana. My brother and I was removed from our biological parents. There was reports of abuse from our bio dad. So you were in foster care, then you and your older brother were adopted out together to the same family, correct? Yes. What were you told about how you interacted with people after that? According to my adoptive parents, they had told me I had no emotion whatsoever. The only thing I knew how to do was cry. My mom also had shared with me that I couldn't look anybody in the eye. Um, I constantly was staring at the ground. Um, just had no emotion whatsoever and that she had to teach me how to look at people how to correspond with people how to how to figure out my emotions so years after you got adopted your mom gave you news your adoptive mom gave you news what was it whenever i was eight years old my bio mother had passed away. So you never got to meet her later on? No, I did not know who she was. Um, I mean, obviously, when you hear about that, you would love to meet them. But I know there's a time and place for that when we reach our destiny in heaven. How were your teenage years? I had behavioral issues whenever it came to, like, men, I, I kind of adapt with them for, you know, because of what my bio father had done to us. How bad did your behavioral issues get? I was court ordered into an institution because they had said that I was unstable for society. How long were you there? I was there for three years. After you got out, did you go straight back to your adoptive parents or did you have to go through foster care too? I had to go through foster care to prove that I was trustworthy, that I had the right skills and you know, instincts that you need in the outside world in order to cope. Okay. After you went back to your adoptive family, how did your feelings towards people change? I still had some issues that weren't as severe. Um, I had a lot, of, still had, you know, anger towards things. Um, um, whenever, like, I returned, I just felt like the black sheep, you know, it didn't matter how much love they tried to show me. Um, it was just, I felt off. So when you became an adult, tell me about your first real relationship. 
I met this girl um, in high school that, you know, I thought there was something with her. Um, there was, you know, some verbal abuse. Um, not the greatest relationship, but, you know, I chose to try to stick with her. And. You know, at the time, she had introduced me to witchcraft. So you got into witchcraft and found it interesting and desirable. How did that change you at that point? It basically, you know, whenever you feel like a nobody, and like, you feel like the whole world's against you, it made me feel some type of power, some type of way that just stuck. Just stuff that when you have no soul, it feels right. How serious was your relationship with her? We were together for about two years. We were we ended up getting engaged. We were planning to have our wedding literally on Halloween and do, you know, some satanic ritual. I ended up getting her pregnant. Um, we were so dark that we had plans of dedicating our daughter into to the devil tell me about the friend that saw what was happening in your life that ended up telling you they had a word from the lord for you i had met this christian friend and he was really worried about my mental being um the things that were happening, you know, I had shared with him and he told me, he pulled me to the side and he's like, yo, bro, like, I have a word for you. And um, I was like, okay, you know, tell me, you know, I want to know. And he was like, you need to get out of this relationship. Because if you don't, one of these three things will happen. Number one was divorce. Number two, one of us would end up severely hurting or killing each other. And number three, he told me there would be a car accident. Which one of those scenarios ended up happening? Because I didn't listen, the car accident happened. Tell me about the accident. It happened in 2010. Me and my ex were going home and we got in this huge argument. And at the time, my, 
she was seven months pregnant and a a dump truck driver who was drunk had hit her side causing the car to flip seven times always in the car at the time and all I could think about is getting out of the car, trying to save her. I ended up pulling her out of the car and she died in my arms. What happened to your daughter? She also had passed. How did you cope after that accident? I quit talking to people. Um, at the time, I was not even speaking to my family. Um, just went totally dark. Started digging a little deeper into witchcraft, where I spent 10 years into it that I became a high priest, or what you would know as a warlock. Okay, so in the beginning of those 10 years, there were some friends that you knew from high school that you reconnected with. Yes. Tell me about these friends. Well, at the time, you know, I felt like I had nobody, no love. Um, so I, you know, of course I'm going to go out and search for love. And these, you know, my friends were the only ones I could think of that had ever shown me love. I thought that's what love was. And, you know, they asked me to join them more and more and more. And I started doing that. And, you know, like, I knew that they were involved with gang life. Um, prior to that, they had asked me to, you know, go on, you know, runs with them, um, just like slowly manipulating me into getting involved with gang activity. So you joined this gang? Yes, not knowing what I was walking into. I didn't know what I was walking into and got initiated. Um, you know, for those of you that, you know, been in my shoes with that, you know what it's like. And you just, I guess, once you find out the truth of it, it makes you hurt so badly inside. I have a lot of regrets that God has forgave me for. But I would not go back. Okay. How did you get out of it? I got tired of what I was seeing day to day. 
day in, night out. And I just knew I wanted out. And to be honest, it scared me. But, you know, like, I felt I had no choice at the time. So, I finally, you know, got brave enough to walk up to a higher up and asked him or told him that I wanted out. And at that point, I found myself staring in the barrel of a 45. What happened at that point? God must have had grace up on me because with a lot of gangs, they just don't let you go. But for some reason, he, you know, God had grace up on me and next thing I knew, my higher up had put the pistol down and told me I had five seconds to get out or else he was going to shoot me. And at that point, I ran out of there and never looked back. After that scenario, you attempted to get back to normal life. You had a serious relationship for a little bit, correct? Yes. But that relationship was unstable and not consistent? Correct. With all the instability in your life, you decided to turn to alcohol and drank sun up to sundown, correct? Yes. About how long did you do that? Two years. Tell me about the dream you had that changed that. There was one day that I was so out of it, literally thought, you know, there was nothing left of me, could barely move, and in my dream, God came down and visited me, and he's like, if you do not stop drinking today, you will die. And honestly, it scared the crap out of me. Like, I wasn't saved at that point, but I knew exactly who he was. That next day, I uh, made it a priority. So as I woke up, I called a friend over and ended up quitting. That night, Jesus came to visit me. And friend came over. I told him, you know, I was done. That I was quitting cold turkey on alcohol, which is a very hard thing to do when you've been drinking for so many years. And he he accepted it. He had helped me fill big trash bags full of you know, bottles that were empty, bottles that were full, half full. It didn't matter. It all had to go. After that, did you develop any new friendships? Yes. 
by the grace of God, I found a new group of friends. I thank God for because that just didn't do any of that stuff. And it helped me through a lot. It was different than what I was used to. Um, they accepted me for who I was, not what they wanted me to be, not controlling, not demanding. Um, I felt very comfortable with them. Was there anyone in that group that stuck out as special? Yes. There was this girl um, that, you know, stood out. Um, she would always be there for me, no matter, you know, how cold the night was, how cold the day was, how many tears I shed. She was right there by my side and had always shown me respect, show me what true love was. Also with this friend, um, she was going through a separation at the time that I felt the discernment to help her, um, to talk her out of certain things or, you know, just be there as a good friend. With that particular friend, when you heard that voice though about this person, it was the day you met this person. What did that voice say? I heard this voice. I kind of, you know, I kind of described where it came from, what, what it was, who it was. All I know is I didn't take it seriously. I thought it was a, some type of joke or, you know, like, um, like maybe you, something you thought that you, um, thought you heard, like your own mindset type deal. What did the voice say? That voice had told me that she will be my wife. The person that's with her now is going to leave. And so you questioned that voice? Of course I did. I, I didn't believe in it. What happened with that friend? Her ex was so manipulative that he changed his mind. Um kept harassing her to come back and made her block me so we had lost contact. How does that make you feel? To be honest, it made me feel dead inside. So after that, you continued on with the group of people as friends, just not her? Correct. Sometime after that, there was a young adult group that wanted you to try church? Yes. And what did the leader say to you to try to get you to go to the church? He told me, he kept harassing me to go, you know, to try at least one time. And if I didn't like it, that I didn't have to go anymore. Did you go? Yes, I did. 
Did you like it? For the most part, yes. I wasn't fully ready to give my life over to Christ. There was still things that I was dealing with um, on my own terms. When they laid hands on me, um, I felt very cold. Um, I started manifesting. When you manifested, how did they react? They told me that they were basically done at that point um, to continue to try to cry out to Jesus, and they had went home. So after that, you went on with life, trying to deal with everything. Yes. Tell me about the close friendship you developed shortly after that event. That we had a bond that was almost inseparable. I felt in my heart that I needed to be there for him. He had asked me to come back with him to his parents' house. And I told him I couldn't because I had a very important doctor's appointment. He had committed suicide. After that, I assume you felt guilt. I did blame myself. Because I feel like, at the time, I felt like if I wasn't there, like if I was there, he would still be here, living. How did you cope after that loss? I did my best. I mean, you know, going through death isn't easy. So, of course, you're going to be tearing up. Um, lots of sleepless nights. Sometime later, you developed a new friendship with someone else. What happened there? Yes. Um, in 2017, I had met a really good friend. We started growing pretty close. Um, he would always make sure that I was okay. Um, just a very caring person. So what happened to that friendship? And I noticed you know, things were off that day. Um, something wasn't sitting right in my stomach. I just knew there was something not right. And when we were, you know, about to enter, we noticed him laying on the floor and, and we checked his pulse and found out he had passed away. What did he pass away from? What I found out was drug overdose. So once again, another loss. How did you get through that one? It just, I guess, became a natural thing, you can say. I was used to death, you know, seeing it, 
hearing about it. Um, of course, I shed tears. You know, I have my share of grief over it. But, you know, I learned it's just, a, you know, it's a part of life. Okay, so you had mentioned there was a girlfriend at the time of that friend's death. Yes. And that continued, but you guys had a lot of issues, correct? Yeah. So near the end of that relationship, when you guys were having a lot of problems, an old friend showed up? Yes. Who was that old friend? The girl that I had mentioned earlier in my testimony um, that had shown me a lot of respect, showed me what true love was, um, always was there for me. Um, you know, spent hours upon hours whenever I would stay up all night crying, um, had shown back up. How many years it had been since you'd seen her? It had been almost five years. Did you have any initial thoughts about that? I wasn't really sure of it. Um, my girlfriend at the time wouldn't let me talk to her much. Um, she just had a lot of jealousy. Um, it didn't matter, you know, what female it was. She didn't want me to talk to anybody. So the friend that showed back up, you had said that her ex made her block everyone. Where was her ex at this point? I'm not sure where he was. I All I knew is he had to be out of the picture. Shortly after that, I found out that they had gotten a divorce. A few months had passed and it got worse with your girlfriend? Yes. And then you decided that it'd be best to break up? Yes. What happened after you broke up with her? Just everything started going downhill. It seemed like I was alone again. I was in darkness again. There was no light whatsoever um, for a good couple months. What was the moment in which you decided everything was just too much? It wasn't until August 31st of 2020 that I just had enough. And, you know, I always had in the back of my mind of what, you know, the young adult group had told me, you know, cry out to Jesus. He's waiting for you. And that moment, I kind of sleep. Everything just, it was like, I felt my life ending. And so that night I broke down to God saying, Lord, if, you, if you're real, show me. If there's somebody I have a purpose with, show me. Because if not, this is my last straw. This is my last breath. Because in the morning, I will kill myself. So the next morning, you were preparing to do so, correct? Yes, I was outside, in fact, in the garage. Um, had a knife sharpener, sharpening knives, getting ready. 
to, you know, do what I had planned. At that point, your roommate pulled you aside and asked you to go somewhere with him. Yes, um, he asked me to go get in the car to ride with him to his brother's because he could tell something was off about me. Okay, so while you guys were in the car, he decided to make a phone call, correct? Yes. Who did he call? He called my one friend who had always shown me respect, um, was always there for me, the one, you know, showed me true love. What thought came to you when he was talking to her? My only thought to escape it all, like, if there was a chance of hope, was to ask her to hang out. What did she say? She immediately said yes. So she uh, had decided to come get you? Yes. And what happened during the day that day? We ended up talking all day, and um, she had realized, you know, there was some changes because she knew me as dark. You know, she always knew there was something dark about me. At this point, she was a full-blown Christian, and she had, you know, mentioned prior that she was on the role of saving people. Um, preaching the gospel, telling them about God, trying to get them to give their life over to God. And she asked me that day, that night, um, hey, would you want to give your life over to Christ? And honestly, I felt this like peace when she asked me. And I was like, yes. Yes, I would. There was no hesitation at all. So the day you planned to kill yourself, God showed up for you, and you decided to give your life to Him. Yes, absolutely. So now you're a new Christian, and you two decided to spend every night and day together. So it appeared that things were moving you in the direction to get close to her, correct? Yes. At that point, what were your thoughts about that? At that point, it dawned on me. I knew right then that God had shown up once again. Um, his, obviously, you know, his intentions never fails. And he showed me, had shown me that this is the person he wanted me to be with. So on the 31st of August, you guys started talking nonstop. What happened on the 10th of September? I mean, that day was actually crazy because um, we kept getting phone call after phone call. Hey, are you with him? Hey, do you like him? And we sat there and, you know, was talking about it. And, you know, the more it got asked, it, it made sense. And so, I felt in my discernment that I was going to ask her to be my girlfriend. Did she say yes? 
Yes, she did. You already knew, though, that you wanted to be more than just a girlfriend and boyfriend, correct? Yes. So what happened six days after that? Um, she was on the verge of being evicted because of something her ex did. And she was um, messaging somebody about a place. And I leaned over and asked her, who are you texting? What are you saying? And she was like, I'm texting somebody about a house. And I was like, okay, what are you saying? She's like, me and my friend are looking for a place. And I said, friend? No, you should put fiance. And she was like, are you asking me to marry you? And I said, yes. What did she say to that? It was almost like there was no hesitation. She immediately told me yes. So after that, you guys looked for dates to set for the wedding? Yes. And how did that go? There was dates that just wasn't good for me, so to speak, you know. You know, because there were days that I lost someone. And I didn't want to be, you know, that be on a special day, you know. So, you know, we kept looking at dates, going back, back, back. And the only option was literally four days. So you got married four days after you asked her to marry you? Yes. After you got married... You sustained an injury to your back? Yes. And you you had already been diagnosed as a young child with several back conditions, correct? Yes. So it made your condition worsen? Yes. And then the spiritual warfare began, correct? Yes. How did you two combat that? There was this one night that we were about to go to bed. Um, she was, you know, changing her daughter, and she was like, something just touched me. And I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah. Well, next thing I know, I felt the same thing. And at that point of that, I'm like, okay, what the heck is going on? Well, the next thing we knew, something in the closet had fallen. And I told her, to give me a second, um, just knowing, you know, my past of being a warlock, I was able to see in the spiritual realm. And so I walked in the closet and there was, you know, obviously demonic in there. So then she asked you a question. What was that? She had asked me if I knew how to cast out demons, and I looked at her all crazy, and I'm like, what the heck is that? I only know how to bring these things in. Like, I don't know how to cast these things out. So, you know, that's the first time I had, we together had um, casted out demons. And from there, it never stopped.
shortly after that, you guys had gotten baptized. And then you were given a couple words from a couple different people to start ministering to people, correct? Yes. How was the first year of ministry? You know, we saw some crazy stuff. Um, it got very difficult at times. Um, which showed us that, you know, even when we think we can do it on our own, sometimes we need guidance from the Lord. How does ministry look now? I love it. I would not go back to it any of my past. What would you say to someone watching this that is thinking about living for God? I would say, you know, it's the best choice you can make. Jesus is the only way you're going to survive. Jesus is the only way that you're going to get anywhere because all things through Christ can be done. I don't miss my old life, you know, like, oh man, like, suicide, it's not worth it. You know, you can reach so many other people out there that have the same problem. You know, all you have to do is pull up on Jesus and he can get you through anything. If he done it for me, he can do it for you too. And I'll tell you this, one of my favorite verses of the whole Bible is Psalms 147.3. He binds up their wounds and heals a broken hearted. I'm a walking testimony of that. God bless you all. Now my first wife passed away with cancer. I didn't want to marry again. I wanted to be single the rest of the, my life. But because of the arranged marriage system in India, some of my leaders felt like I needed a wife. It came to the point I was a little frustrated with all that. I said, Lord, if you really think I should marry again, she must be white skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, and she should come and ask me. But around a week later, my friends heard about a missionary from India coming to speak at a church. Talking about me, friends. In Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, where I'm from. And then one day, God just burdened my heart to pray for him. And I even started praying for a wife for him. So I walked out, looked back towards the stage where he was speaking, and God spoke to me again, still small voice, he's your husband. Well, I am Monica Piety Pamela, wife of this man here. I'm from Canada originally and have lived in India for 26 years and 25 years as his wife. I am Yesupadam, born and brought up in India, saved by the grace of Jesus when I was 23. Since then, my only desire is to make the name of Jesus known to the people, initially to my people in India, later on around the world. Monica Inyasupadam, how long have you been married now? 25 years on April 25th. And uh, could you tell us how this happened? How did the Lord bring you guys together? 
Only Jesus can do that. <laughs> it's not normal, trust me. Being an untouchable boy in India, never traveled to the West, never thought of marrying a white girl, like my beautiful wife. But Jesus brought us together for his purposes, like my wife mentioned, 25 years ago. And uh, it's amazing. You know, my first wife passed away with cancer, and uh, I didn't want to marry again. I wanted to be single the rest of the, my life, serving Jesus, preaching Jesus, planting churches. That was my fashion. That's still my fashion, though. So that's what I wanted to do. But because of the arranged marriage system in India, some of my leaders felt like I needed a wife. And they started using the Bible against me that I'm the preacher of the Bible. They said it's not good for a man to be alone. And I was married already 21 years. Had an amazing life and blessed with the two children. And then uh, when they started talking to me, they brought me to the point of showing beautiful, godly Indian women. They're beautiful, they're godly. I like them, but I don't want to marry again. It came to the point I was a little frustrated with all that. I wanted to know and know and know that it's not God's will for me to marry again. And that's why I prayed a prayer. No man heard it, trust me. I thought I was closing the door, shutting the door forever for all the people that are counseling me and literally sometimes putting pressure on me to marry again. I said, Lord, if you really think I should marry again, she must be white skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, and she should come and ask me. Friends, I want to let you know that I thought I was putting an impossible target to the Lord to prove myself I'm right. All the other people who are trying to suggest me is wrong. That's how I started my life. And uh, I thought I was good doing good. And I, I was getting phone calls from different people and letters telling me God showed them that I'm their husband. Like, that's not the same answer for my prayers. And then meanwhile also... There was some American sister, amazing sister, godly sister, who came to me and told me, God showed her that I'm her husband. And then a Korean, she came to me and said, God showed me that I'm her husband. I'm like, a, how, for how many people this <laughs> one Indian boy could be a husband? But the prayer I prayed really protected me. Mm. And then I thought, man, thank you, Lord that you honored my prayer and not doing it. What other people are talking into my life. Mm. But that's not the end of the story. Suddenly, we have 30 foreigners. We are doing crusades, meetings in the night, like thousands of people. We have Americans, Koreans, and then one Canadian. One of the crusades we had in Ponur, 
one of the American brothers pastor preached an amazing message on God's love. And I was calling people, I was giving an altar call. I was calling people who wants to accept Jesus. There were hundreds of them that are walking to the front. So I told all the foreigners to go to them and pray for the people, even the people that did not respond to the altar call, not knowing what was happening there. I thought that they went to pray for the people, but I will continue that what happened that night, let my beautiful wife share to you, and we will continue that story. Well, I have to give some prior things to that. Um, Growing up in Canada, I gave my life to the Lord when I was seven. I just wanted to serve the Lord all my life. I was baptized when I was 10. When I was 12, I told my mom, I'm going to be a missionary someday. And so all the time growing up, whenever there was meetings, altar calls, I was always like, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And just that was my heart's desire, to know the Lord, to serve him, do whatever. But he wasn't making anything clear. And then I, I went to Bible college. And after Bible college, I also really badly wanted to be married. And I thought by the age of 25, I'll definitely be married. But around 21, 22, I um, heard about courtship. And out of that, I prayed, Lord, show me who I should marry. I'm not going to date anymore. I don't want any more games. I just want to know that I know that I know that's my husband. And I asked the Lord, arrange my marriage. I never heard of arranged marriages. I didn't know anything about India and arranged marriages. But Lord, show me who my husband is. So for six years, I prayed that way and waited. And it was hard, six years of just seeing men who I thought, well, maybe that could be the person, but God just not letting anything happen. And at one point, I was very discouraged and struggling and the Lord gave me a little saying he gives his very best to those who leave the choice to him did you hear that guys his best the handsome brown guy waiting is the best thing for God's best and the funny part is I thought that I would like to marry a tall blonde cowboy (laughs) but God said he'd give his very best if I leave the choice to him. So I continued praying and waiting. And at one point, God just took away the desire to be married. And I said, Lord, even if I'm single the rest of my life, that's fine. This was 1996. And a friend of mine told me she was going to India. And this like electric shock went through me. And I thought, I want to go to India. And then immediately I dismissed it. I thought it was just my own desire to do missions again, to go because I was kind of settled down in a job, working, doing what I least wanted to be doing is settled down in a career-minded job. I, I wanted to be a missionary. Suddenly this desire to go, and I thought, I don't know any organizations in India to go with. I don't know a place you can go long-term because at this point, if I go anywhere, it has to be long-term. And I don't have the money to go. So I dismissed it. But around a week later, my 
friends heard about a missionary from India coming to speak at a church. Talking about me, friends. In Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, where I'm from. And so I went along with them and heard him speak, and he, they invited him to their home for dinner. And then he shared all about this ministry in India, Love and Care Ministries, and all the ways God spoke to him and showed him what to do. And, and he had visions and dreams and words. And I thought, wow, here's a modern-day person who hears from God and obeys God. And I was so impressed by that, blessed by that. And then he said openly, any of you want to come to India you can come six months or a year or as long as you want. You can just get your one-way ticket over to India, and uh, we'll take care of your food and accommod- accommodations. Just come and serve. It's still valid. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is incredible. I'd never heard of a place you can go without raising a lot of money. And I knew I could buy a return ticket. Within three months, God showed me so clearly I should go there. So... January of 97, I flew over to India, and I thought, I'm just so excited to be on the foreign mission field, ready to be single the rest of my life. Maybe I'll give three years of my life to India and go back to Canada and see what else God has for me. And I got off the plane in India, and God spoke to me, you're at home. And such a peace. And then I went to the ministry, Loving Care Ministries, And for three weeks, we were traveling and busy, and I found out then that his first wife had passed away three years earlier, that he had grown kids, and I just, I felt so at home. And the first three weeks, busy traveling, doing these crusade meetings, sharing the gospel in the villages every daytime, just watching what was happening and feeling really just such a peace there. And then one day, God just burdened my heart to pray for him as the leader of the ministry. And I felt what he carried as the leader of the ministry on my shoulders. So I was praying for him for three days, and I even started praying for a wife for him. Careful, girl. Careful what you pray for. (laughs) And on the third day, night, at a crusade meeting that he was talking about, this message happened, then the altar call, he was telling us foreigners, go in the crowd and pray for the people who have not gone forward. So I walked out, looked back towards the stage where he was speaking, and God spoke to me again, still small voice, he's your husband. Mm. And this joy and peace came over me, and it was like my whole life made sense. Everything I desired except the tall blonde cowboy, (laughs) which I had laid down and said, anything you want, Lord. But just knowing I was chosen and called for for India to be his wife, yeah, I was just thrilled that God had chosen me. So the next day, just praying, how do I, how does he know this very important information that he's my husband? And we were traveling for 12 hours. We ended up in the same vehicle. We're driving along, and I'm really praying, like, Lord, what do I do? I know you're not supposed to tell a man. God told me. Suddenly we had a flat tire in the middle of nowhere by a hut. And he and I ended up on the side of the road and the couple from the hut gave us something to sit on and they disappeared. I was like, okay, I know this is a setup from God. I need to tell him. And that's what I did. I said, you know, we're sitting like this. He didn't have his arm around me. (laughs) And I said, I need to tell you something. Last night, God spoke to me and told me, you're my husband. She did. And that's how I was the answer to the prayer. 
that he looked at me. I was white skin, blonde hair, blue eyed, came and asked him. I didn't ask him. I told him what God had told me. That's how God brought us together. And then after he got over his initial shock, he began to share the different things that had happened with him and how he had prayed that prayer. And it was so clear to us, God had led us together. It couldn't have been more clear. Everything with India, everything with marrying him, God spoke so clearly. And I think that's so important with marriage, to know that you know that you know who you're marrying is chosen by God for you, you for that person. That means when the going gets tough, we know God put us together for his purposes. So we can go through anything with the Lord, with each other. Amen. Yes, Ubadan, what was your reaction as you prayed this impossible prayer? And now here you are sitting next to Monica, and she tells you, hey, God told me you're my husband. It was very shocking. Something that I never wanted, never expected to happen. But it's so clear the way God answered the prayer. What can be more clearer than that? How God answered it. I know it is from the Lord. I know I have to obey it, but I didn't want to. Because I made a public announcement in the crusades that I'm not going to marry again because of the pressure of many girls calling and writing me letters and like God showed me, God showed me. So I want to totally stop it. Mm. So my first initial was that, what would people think about me with all the announcements I made? And then the second thing was, I also do not want to be married again. I felt like that could be a distraction from what God called me to do. And uh, so it was hard. I remember it took me almost three months to process through, go through. But what happened, we were going to the next crusade place. So after we went there to the next crusade place, I know God answered my prayer. And I want a confirmation, though I know it is from the Lord. Otherwise, you know, we never talked about it. We didn't know each other or anything. Before before this moment, did you tell her about the prayer? Or you just kept it to no, yourself. No, no man knows. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. That's why we never talked about marriage or anything like this. Just to God answered that way. I know it. So I I shared with one of the leaders, my next leader in the ministry. And I told him, I said, John, this is what uh, this lady said. And then when he was listening to me, he, was, he went into prayer. And he was praying in his prayer with the weeping. He said, Lord, thank you for revealing this to your servant, which you have already revealed this to me. I couldn't believe it. He prayed that prayer. And after he prayed, I said, why did you pray that prayer? And he told me, when my wife passed away, he was very angry, upset with God. And he said, God, why did you do this? He's so faithfully, both of them serving you. Why did you do this basically injustice to your servant? Then he told me, Lord spoke to him and said, that I will be marrying a foreigner. Mm. 
and God will use us for the international ministry. And he already shared that with his wife. Both of them know they were praying. He didn't share with me because culturally, I have a grown-up daughter, and they wanted our late daughters to be married first before we think of marrying. So he was waiting for my daughter to be married so that he can come and share with me. Hmm. But since, because he said that was like a first confirmation to me. And the second confirmation was I shared with one of my relatives who went to be with the Lord now, but uh, so he said, you know better. He, he's, he calls me like an older brother. He know better. Whatever you think is God, we are with you. And I shared with another leader of the ministry. It was like a confirmation to me. I, I already know that. But I was also part of me thinking what the people will think about it. If it is an Indian, nobody would say anything. But because she's a foreigner, why is he, why he want to marry a foreigner? And they didn't know I prayed that prayer. Mm-hmm. But it was amazing way. Friends, only Jesus can do this. Trust me. It's such an unusual, abnormal thing. Only Jesus can, because he has a plan for our lives. And finally, I said, yes, Lord. I said, yes, Lord, respect to all. I know there were criticisms, and when I announced it, people didn't understand. Two things. Number one is, why is he marrying again? Number two, why a foreigner? Number three, there's a big age difference here. So that's people, that's how people see it. But God has a different plan. So I obeyed God's plan. I'm glad I did it. I'm so thankful God brought this amazing lady into my life. And uh, like she said, 25 years on May 20, April 25th, amazingly God blessed us with two beautiful children. And they are in, uh, studying in Walt Roberts University. Thank you, babe, for marrying me. And uh, without you, I would have never done what God did in my life, through my life. Grateful and thankful for obeying God and doing what God called you to do. Friends, like it's not easy. Trust me. It's like East and West. <clears throat> it's not just the language, even the thinking. The way we think Indians are totally different than the Western people think and operate things. But because God in it, he helped us. Mm-hmm. I remember in the initially, the first question I asked her, after I know it was God's will, any divorces in your family? Because that would, uh, I even said, told her that would kill me. Yeah, because many times, like a 50% of the Christian marriages ending up with the divorces in the Western world. So that was uh, my fear. Man, if anything like that happens, what happens to the ministry? What is my testimony? Mm. I remember asking her, and she might have been scared to death, but there was one in her family. But I trusted God more than any culture or anything. And God helped me to rely on him, trust him, knowing it's God in it. If it's God in it, 
he will make it happen and we married in canada and that was not easy easy maybe i will let my wife share the next part of it what happened then we both know we both agreed but continue babe yeah well it's very hard for my mom especially it took me from february until may to even talk to her about it to let her know and actually she kind of heard about it more roundabout rather than directly i told her i was called to india but someone told her i was marrying she was really devastated i would say she wanted to be a missionary she was blessed when she knew i would be a missionary but marrying somebody the leader of a ministry big age difference she found out and with two children so it was very hard for her and she thought she would never see me again and i'm the youngest of five children so always the youngest is a little harder to let go i actually went back to uh winnipeg just to be with my family and let them know what was happening and the the changes coming and my mom was angry for months trying to figure this out and i just kept telling her i know it's god's will i know it's god's will and if i had any doubts that it was god's will or not i probably would have stopped because of the pressure and the anger but i'm so thankful the lord gave me grace to stand with his call on my life and whenever i i've seen it over the years whenever god speaks to somebody whenever they want to obey him the enemy comes against it especially through people close to us and it's easy to say okay i won't do it but god gave me grace to go through with it he came and met my family met my parents shared his testimony and my parents melted and prayed for us blessed us gave me permission gave him permission to marry me and laid hands on us and prayed for us and it just turned at my at our wedding one of my aunts apologized to me for her thinking hmm. against our marriage and she said i see it's clearly god's will god brought you together so it took time for god to convince people but that's that's the way it is with anything we want to do that's god it's not natural and people will count, come against it but we married and uh yeah i also remember we married in canada i wanted to marry her in canada because we know we will be living in india i did not marry a white lady to live a comfortable happy prosperous life in canada so i made it very clear to her we are for god our marriage to bring glory to the name of god i am an indian my heart is for india we have to live in india so because we decided we we know that we wanted to live in india i wanted my wife's friends and families to have that opportunity of marrying and attending our marriage in canada that was amazing and i brought my my kids came my first wife my children my daughter and son my daughter was married mm-hmm. and her husband they came to canada they could able to meet all the families and we stayed one month there and it was amazing god really building my family bringing them together my children they loved the family 
you know, because some people in India spoke to them negatively. Like, uh, hey, now your mom has already died. Now you are losing your dad also. Mm. If he's going to marry a foreigner, he will not be here. He will not be your dad anymore. So they try to speak against it, put fear in their heart. But God amazingly organized them to be in my wedding and meet the family that brought such a unity in our family. And actually, it's amazing to know that her best friends are my daughter and my daughter-in-law. Mm. And God blessed my family that they went to, they had a very good education. They all speak English. That helped them, her, to be so close together. And we honestly, we all live in one house. <laughs> my older children, their spouses, they might, we have five grandchildren. We all live together. That amazed and also surprised many Indians. Mm. Even the Indian families, though Indian families are very united, they live together, but it's not like this unity. This is God's love bringing us together. Many Indians are so surprised and shocked a white girl can live in India like an Indian. Mm -hmm. You know, dressing like Indian, eating like Indian, even with their fingers. We don't use the uh, silverware in India. Dressing herself and uh, with, uh, she forgot actually. Sometimes when she go to Mark shopping, and she told me on time, I'm surprised, like everybody was watching at me. Yeah. And then I realized that I'm white. <laughs> so she even forgets when she was in India, like she's a white person. Mm. Only God can do that. That heart for the call of God on their lives. Many Indians, either girls or boys, when they marry foreigner. Their intention is to go to that country for a better life. But this is not for a better life. This is for the best life what Jesus had for our lives together. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. All our friends were so surprised even when I said, you know, it's God's will for us to marry. And watching us doing together you know, the work of the living God. Friends, it's very possible irrespective of the color, respect of the language, culture, nations, continents, Jesus is one. He can make us one for his glory, for his purposes. As you guys uh, continued in your marriage, what were some of the biggest challenges that you encountered uh, now being together? And uh, yes, Yipadam, I know you had a, a wife prior, and so you've kind of had some experience, but Monica, this was your first marriage, but if you could just tell us for the people, for the couples who are watching, what are some of those challenges that you came across and how did God help you through them? It's definitely, like he said, as far as the East is from the West, that's how different our cultures were. But some of the challenges were more that we had two children very quickly and then traveling the world. But before I even knew that I was marrying a man from India, and traveling the world, I always said, I want to go with my husband. 
if if he travels. And so from the time our children, each of them was six months old, they were flying with us. They were in my stomachs when we were flying, just traveling with two babies and spending three months in the U.S. and sometime in Canada and then going to Korea at the beginning of our marriage. That was challenging, you know, being on the road a lot. But I would say one of the biggest challenges for me was the spiritual warfare and battle in India. Because as a Canadian, I had never experienced anything like that before. The oppression of the enemy, the death threats, the the darkness that's in India because of idolatry. Mm. And it's changed so much, like open heaven over the years and such a breakthrough spiritually. But at the beginning... That was hard, you know, dealing with sickness all the time. I got dengue fever once. Mm. Our son, Benjamin, got typhoid fever. Just dealing with all this battle nonstop, every day, a different battle physically most of the time. So I would say for me, that was the biggest challenge, which, of course, affects relationships and, and life. But such a grace, really, in it all, to bring the Lord into these situations and to get to know the Lord more in it. So I would say that our marriage has lasted through all the extreme pressures of ministry and oppression of the enemy. India struggles um, is the grace of God. And if we can make it through all of that, anybody can make it. You know, And the enemy is always trying to destroy a marriage. He'll use anything. But by the grace of God, you know, he got us through and communication and uh, just knowing it's God, serving each other, serving the Lord together. That's really been so helpful in our marriage. And also, both of us know it's, there's no selfishness here. There's so much sacrifice. You know, I think I know English, <laughs> but how much English do I know? So even speaking in English, there's so much communication gap in thinking and talking. It's so different. But the only thing that brought us together is knowing it's God's will, knowing God in it, and willing to sacrifice anything for the kingdom, for the glory of God. So if in the marriages, if there's no sacrifices from both sides, it's difficult. Selfishness is the greatest enemy of the marriage mm. and false expectations rather than being realistic, mm-hmm. being real, you know, loving each other, you know, supporting each other. If it is not for God, I don't think we would have made it. Mm. And uh, our desire to live for God, God's plan for our lives made it possible if it is possible with us from East and West coming together, it should be possible with any marriage. Absolutely. Uncle, what are, what are you most thankful about uh, your wife? Oh, boy. That's uh, a great uh, question, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> if it is not for her, I would have been alive even today. One of the greatest things God spoke to her, she did not marry me for ministry. She married me to serve me. My life is her ministry. That's how she took the marriage 
and serving her husband in whatever God called him to do. So in that process, being with me, taking care of me, serving the ministry by through serving me personally, that's the greatest desire God laid in her heart. So when she has a heart to serve me, when she realizes that's her highest call of life to serve her husband, man, I'm blessed. How many wives really has that tendency? Many times they expect others to serve them. So that's why I said sacrifice. Marrying to serve is, I'm, I'm honored, I'm privileged to have her as my wife, and uh, traveling with me, living with me. Man, yeah, grateful, thankful. And Monica, same, same question to you. What are you most uh, thankful for your husband? I'm thankful that he is so committed to the Lord and devoted to the Lord that nothing matters to him except following Jesus and obeying Jesus. And with that, I can follow him. It's not easy because following Jesus is is sacrificial. It's laying down your life. It hasn't always been easy. That probably, I'd say, is also one of the challenges of being married to a man like him. But that he, that I can trust him because of that, his passion for the Lord and, and obedience to the Lord. And just thankful that he has pushed me to do things that I never expected to do, that he has helped me overcome so many things in my life, fear, fear of getting up in front of people. I never traveled, barely traveled when I went to India and married so many things I'd never done before. And he could have said, okay, just, you know, be comfortable. But he pushed me out of my comfort zone and helped me to become the person I am today by the grace of God. So just, yeah, so much, um, so much good has come out of our coming together for both of us. I'm so thankful to the Lord. What is an encouragement that you can give to, to couples who are watching? And we'll first focus on maybe those who are um, desiring marriage. And uh, maybe they haven't found that other person to come into that commitment with and that covenant with. What is it a word of encouragement that you can give to that person that is thinking about it, maybe not too sure if they want to go into that? What would you say to them? From my side, <coughs> knowing God's will and doing God's will in respect of consequences. It's not like whether you like, it's not by feelings, but knowing and doing, obeying. So that's the best way to choose a life partner. And I've met a lot of girls along the way that have said, I don't want to marry, or I'd like to marry in five years, or I want this, or I want that. And my advice is lay it all down and say, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I'll do. Because then God can have his way and do what he wants to do with our lives. But as long as we're holding on to something, we're stopping God from moving in our lives and giving us, possibly bringing us, to our husband because we're thinking something different so we're not open to what God might be doing 
So laying, surrendering that area of their lives to the Lord to let him do whatever. And I think that helped me saying, God, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. God, you show me who my husband is. I'll I'll um, marry that person. And so then God could do that. So surrender is the the key. Yeah. Now, for for couples who may be watching who are already married and maybe they're going through a tough season in their marriage, um, and I would say maybe even contemplating divorce, could you just give a word of encouragement to those who are watching? Friends, marriage is honorable thing, honorable in all things. It started with God. It's a desire of God for every human being to be married and be blessed and be multiplied and be fruitful. So honoring God through our marriages is the most important thing. Yes, things get tough. Simple advice from me is clear communication, clarity in communication. If you don't understand each other, you misunderstand everything. So asking questions and getting clarity of what we are thinking, what we are saying. So communication is the most important thing. Communication along with the sacrifice, knowing marriage is from God for His glory, for His purposes, would really take us through. Trust me, if it is not for God, we would have never been together all these years. We know it is God, and we trusted God, and God is taking us through. Only death can separate us. Hmm. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Because it's God's will, enemy wants to destroy. He, he came to steal, to destroy, and to kill. But Jesus came to give life, life eternal, and to bless us, to multiply us, and to be fruitful. That's God's desire. So let not the enemy, the liar, the destroyer, the stealer, the killer, enter into the marriages. Put Jesus in the middle, and he's faithful. He's trustworthy irrespective of how failure we are. He's so faithful. He's trustworthy to take us through. Please don't ever go to the point of separation or giving up. Jesus able to take us through. Amen. Amen. Anything you would like to add to that, Monica, as far as uh, giving an encouragement to couples who maybe are contemplating divorce? Our marriages are worth fighting for, for ourselves, for our children, and for the Lord, for His glory. We want to stay together for His glory and defeat the enemy, because the enemy wants to destroy marriages. So to gain victory, and it is hard, it is hard, but knowing it's the enemy, not our spouse, is not the enemy, but the devil is our enemy, and knowing that we don't want to give him the victory. We want to give the Lord the victory. We fight for our marriages, whatever it takes. There will be misunderstandings. There will be problems. But 
My husband always say, says every problem has a solution. So finding the solutions in our marriages, whatever it takes, fighting for it, not giving up. One thing I share a lot with women is marriage is sanctifying. And so if we see it that way, we can also allow our spouse to help in that process, to help us become more like Jesus. So if if they're saying something, if there's something we're struggling with because of them, if we see it from a different perspective, many times that's the key. Seeing God is using them to change us, to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus, to prepare us to see Jesus, that helps us to accept many of the, the struggles, the iron sharpening iron that happens in marriage. So I would say change your perspective, women, on your marriage, and it'll help so much. And just have the heart to serve your husband and seek the Lord to not be selfish, to not have expectations, but to lay down our lives for our husband, for our marriage, for the Lord. Hope is the ultimate purpose of life with Jesus and he gave us such a hope so please don't give up we are called to fight the battle we are not fighting against flesh and blood we are fighting against the principalities in the heavenly places enemy is our common enemy so be together in fighting this battle we are called for victory not for defeat. I always believed, always say, Jesus knows no defeat and the devil knows no victory. And we are on God's side, our Savior's side, through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, we are called to be overcomers. We are called to be overcomers and victory is our destiny. Yeah, and... Really, even for singles, surrendering our lives to the Lord for such a time as this. We're in a very, very important time in history. And surrendering our lives to the Lord so that he can do whatever he wants in our lives, through our lives. To show us who our our partner is, to give us a purpose for our life, to use us, that he would use us wherever he wants to use us that in marriage, that he would use us for his glory. As we surrender to him, things become so much more clear. So single, married, surrender to Jesus and let him work in you, through you, for his glory, for his purposes, and prepare us to meet him soon. Lastly, could you both pray for those who are watching your testimony and are receiving Uh, from your testimony right now. Lord, thank you for this amazing opportunity to share what you've done in our lives, Lord. You're so good and you're so faithful and we wouldn't be here without you. And I just pray your grace, Lord God, over everyone who is watching, that you would put hope into their hearts and minds and souls, Lord, where there's hopelessness, where there's pain, where there's struggle, where there's suffering. I pray for hope, Lord God. I pray for peace, Lord God. Encourage 
the hearts of your people, Lord God. Restore marriages, Father. Only you can do it. Break the powers of darkness of the enemy coming against your people, Lord God. Destroy the works of darkness, the bondages, Lord God, in the lives of your people. And restore. We ask for that, Lord. Pray you'd revive in this year of revival around the earth, Lord God. Touch marriages. Revive marriages, Lord God. Have your way, Father, and bring victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I'm not asking for gold and silver. I'm asking for your power, your protection, provision in every marriage, Lord. Commit them into your hands for your purposes, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. With some powerful testimonies this morning. And uh, that first testimony of the man who, uh, even as a child, they locked him up and everything, and he dealt with witchcraft and all the crazy stuff and went through a lot. I remember seeing a movie called Slang Blade. And the main character in there was uh, a guy named Carr, who was uh, portrayed by uh, Billy Bob Thornton. And he reminded me of Carr when I heard him speaking. But how many know it don't matter what you go through, what you've been through, where they say you are, how many know God is a deliverer? And if he draw you, you can come. Hallelujah. And so we thank God this morning for his word on our second testimony. That just shows what God can do, even in marriage. Yeah, he, he he's no respect of persons. He can work it out for anybody. Hallelujah. We just have to trust him. India. He told God what he wanted. And that's what happened. That's what I'm waiting on. What I told God I wanted in the husband. It haven't manifested yet. Now, when it manifests, I can't help myself. I got to surrender. But until then, I have to wait. And there's work to be done. Hallelujah. So I keep working. Yeah, until God reveals or do whatever it is he's going to do. Yeah, I'm not not against marriage in no kind of way. I'm not against being married in no kind of way. Hallelujah. Yeah, God put that thing together. But we just got to make sure it's who... He plays for us. He knows what's best. Yeah. And so we thank him this morning. Listen, we're going to pray out and go to our last song of the morning. And we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. And tonight, ladies, is the tea. Tonight at 7 p.m., we'll be going over on Zoom. If you need the information, I have it over on Facebook. Uh, I put it on a little small group of ladies that came last week. So this week, again, we'll be over at Zoom. And our guest speaker tonight will be Minister Shonda. She'll be our guest. And our topic is how do you ward off jealousy? So that's tonight at 7. Oh, that's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Another thing, please, if you can, go over to HTTP, uh, colon, the, 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 the double periods on top of each other forward slash forward slash 
jesusinthemorning.net forward slash. Again, go to HTTPS, HTTPS, the colons, forward slash, forward slash, jesusinthemorning.net slash. Take a look at the store. We put some winter stuff in there, a few kitchen items in there. So take a look. Each week we'll be putting new stuff in. And um, give me a minute. I'm going to bring a lot of sales out that people can afford and uh, that kind of thing. But I need your support. I need your support. So support me over at the Jesus in the Morning store. If you're on Facebook with me, you can find the new Jesus in the Morning page and take a look. Um, you can go on my page and take a look. I have it posted there. And uh, I have some some of the new things we put in there. I have that on the Facebook page. So y'all check it out. All right, let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for all we heard. But Lord, we know you're able. And God, many things has gone on. And some people are going through what others went through. And Lord, you brought them out. So they're believing you to bring them out. Do it today. If it be your will, in the name of Jesus. As we depart this morning, bless our going out. Father, bless our coming in. Meet the need in all our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Father, help us to look up to you. We can look to the hills from which cometh our help. All of our help comes from you. You made the heavens and the earth. And Father, don't let us look around unto man and unto the things that's going on in the earth, but continue to help us to look to the hills. Help us to look to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. And today, Lord, shower your people with uncommon blessings. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. And everyone that purchased something out of that store, God, I ask that you would make a work a miracle for every purchase. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise. And, Father, we ask it all again in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you this day, October 30th. 2023 in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm saying bye-bye, and again, have a blessed day. Going to our last song of the morning.